Rise above, train hard, dream big. The RTD podcast with Tam and Dez. We got a list of questions that everybody wanted to know about. So if you are tuning in, you can drop any questions that you might have down there and we will try and get to them at the end. But we do have a pretty decent list here right now. So let's just get to it, I suppose. So first question we had, what is your go-to upper body workout for strength? So for me, when I see workout, that means usually more than one exercise. So, yeah, I would um, say so. Yeah. So I don't know, let's say we pick our top three each. And yeah, um, because when it comes to like upper body workout, this one really depends on kind of what you're training for. So I know the person that asked this is a strongman athlete. Okay. Um, their training is going to be totally different than maybe one of us yeah. that wants to build strength. Personally, my go-to for upper body strength would be like an overhead press or some kind of press. Um, I think there should always be a press in there. But then on the other end, I'm also going to do a pull exercise, like pull-ups. I think everybody should have pull-ups in their programming. Totally. I was going to say pull-ups. So, like, upper body strength is a pretty big uh, category. Yeah. And, well, we're talking about strength for strong men, so we're talking about lower reps, higher weight for... Yeah, I mean, most of these, um, like, strongman competitors, they are going to have, like, specific days where they do, like, just deadlifts, just, you know, squats, whatever it is, so, and I'm sure they have a press day, I don't know if Josh is on here right now, but you can tell me better than I could, (laughs) I'm assuming you'd have just a press day, but, you know, if you're going for upper body strength, I go with some type of press. Like, or, and pull. Everybody should be doing pull-ups. I'm just going to mm-hmm. put that one in there. Yeah. Uh, you bench. I would say bench. Put that one in there for sure. And some sort of a row. Mm, yeah. And pretty much anything that focuses on a weakness that you might have. So if you are one of my clients or have been one of my clients, you know that I will always pinpoint your weaknesses and make a workout out of them because I want to help you not have that weakness anymore. So I will create a whole workout that literally just zones in. I actually call them zone workout, zone workouts to whatever your weakness is. So I think everybody should always include exercises that hit your weakness. You know, I think that pretty much everybody on the planet, we all have a shoulder injury in some capacity. <laughs> I think we ripped on this in another podcast before. Um, but if you have an upper body weakness, you need to train it or it's always just going to keep getting worse keep getting worse and you're probably going to injure yourself and yeah yeah and i would also be curious to know what your current upper body workout would look like and for how long you've been doing that for mm-hmm. um, because we do want to change things up every once in a while mm-hmm. exactly but you do also have to follow something for a certain amount of time if you want yeah. to see any change like you can't expect to only follow a program for four weeks and elicit a change right yeah totally and subbing out exercises uh like for example rows like there's so many different variations you can do a row and if your program says rows and one day you want to do like dumbbell rows and the next day you want to do cable rows go 
Go for it. Oh, exactly. Yeah. When it does come to variations, like, I've ran into clients before that are like, I can't do that. And I'm like, actually, everybody can do that in some sort of variation. Yeah. So, like, squats. I get that one all the time. Oh, I got a bad knee. I can't do squats. Mm, Bullshit. You can. We just have to find which version works for you. And don't get me wrong. I was that person that was like, ooh, I got a bad knee. Like, squats, no go. But then I just worked my way up. So I started with a bench squat where I'm not actually going to 90 degrees, right? And then just worked my way up from there. And now guess what? I can do like ast grass. Yeah. And another example, say you're doing rows or not rows, pull downs with the cables. You've been doing them for a long time, six months or whatever. And then you go and you do them on a machine. And the next day you're like, oh, something hit me different. And it's not that the exercise is different. It's just some sort of variation. It could be in the way that you have your grip and the way that you're holding your body in like that seated position. Uh, it is good to you know take the same exercise, but give it a little bit of a variation once in a while. Absolutely. Um, I think we kind of hit that one good enough. So moving on to the next one. Uh, somebody asked what uh, go-to cheat meal Honestly, I don't have a cheat meal because I don't follow that mentality anymore. It's funny because I looked at that question too and I was like, go to cheat meal. And I looked at Des and I was like, I don't have one. And he was like, me neither. And we're like, well, probably because we don't require cheat meals in our diet because they're not super structured. Uh, yeah, I think we both, well, maybe not Tam right well, now because she's training for a competition. A little but, different. Um, when you're like normally like you know just living everyday life type of eating both of us follow the same type of protocol like i'd say i guess flexible dieting yeah not even dieting like flexible eating if we want pasta we'll have pasta like if we want it we'll have it we'll just make it fit into our macros so we eat what we want when we want and yeah it did take a long time though to get to that point oh we didn't just like all of a sudden be like i can eat whatever i want because i work out and i'm a trainer no it took a long time for me to learn how to eat properly i had to track my food i had to learn about macros i had to figure out what worked well for me i had to figure out my food timing like when i was hungry bitchy tired (laughs) all of that kind of stuff what time of the day um, I shouldn't eat at what time of the day I was hungry. Like, it's I should say like intuitive eating. Almost. Yeah. Like you get to a point where you just know what your caloric budget is and what it feels like and what it looks like. And same with your macros. Like you just you know what proteins are and carbs and fats and you know what your numbers are. And sometimes like it's just not in the budget. Well, and I'd say too, the more that I have learned all, about all of that stuff. The more I become aware of what foods make me feel like garbage, yeah, and I don't even go to those things anymore, which generally are what people consider cheat meals, right? Like whether it's chocolate cake, or burgers, or pizza, like I just I don't eat that stuff anymore because I know I'm gonna feel like a bag of trash after I do. So, so yeah, my guts can't take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, and then um. Some people have just adapted to that type of eating where it's like you or I might look at their diet and think that their entire diet is a cheat meal. Just like yeah. because we have a different eating style. And to be honest, I I don't like the mentality. 
And I think it's because I've lived the mentality before. And I don't like when you consider something a cheat because a lot of the time it gets out of control and you end up overindulging. And we just did a podcast all about overindulging. Um, so that's why I don't like to classify things as cheats or bad or good. And the whole thing, okay, so I'll put this into a little bit of a perspective too. So I am training for a competition right now and my diet is very structured. I have deviated from my meal plan a couple times because I was lacking some discipline or it's hard, right? Like sometimes like we give in. And I never thought of it as a cheat because in my head, a cheat is like doing something dishonest to get ahead. Mm-hmm. And you're not cheating yeah. if you're having a cheat meal. Like, that's not a cheat. You're not getting ahead. No. So I think we need to change the mentality around that. So cheat meal, no cheat meal. That, yep. like, don't even, like, what is that? But thanks for that question because I yeah. think that opened a good topic. Um, so moving on to the next one, again, it comes down to nutrition, is what do you eat before a big morning workout or what do you recommend to eat before? Now, the person that asked this question, you are in my group, and you should have seen the guide that I wrote on all of this, so I'll call <laughs> you out uh, right there. Um, Check out the guide. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you don't want to eat a big meal before your morning workout, and there is a misconception that the meal you eat right before you work out is energy for that workout. That's not true. So food takes at least four hours to become usable fuel. What that pre-meal is, is about stabilizing your blood sugar, and it has to do with your central nervous system. Um, So it is recommended that it's strictly protein and carbs, and why just protein and carbs is because fats take a long time to digest, or not a long time, but longer than the rest, um, so you may experience a lot of GI issues if you do that right before a workout and eh, you're not going to be so great. Yeah. So carbs will hit you the fastest, like yep. they're usable energy, uh, proteins second and then fats are last. Uh, yeah. So like an example of a meal you might eat is, well, basically just a protein shake. That's the simplest. Um, but it could be something like, you know, oats with a scoop of protein powder and some berries like that's pretty basic but that could be something you yeah eat pre-workout and for me personally like we are all different i work out at five in the morning typically um, if i'm not training a client at that time and i don't eat before i work out most people don't um and in that case which is in the guide like i said go to files and download it um <laughs> it's is recommended that if you are like a first thing in the morning trainee to consume more of your carbs later at night. Um, so that freaking myth busts the whole don't eat carbs after seven. Um, but anyway, eat most of your carbs at night. So then you act, you have that fuel for the morning, right? Like if you're someone that eats at five o'clock at night, that's a long time to be fasted. So if you have that bigger carb intake at night, then you're gonna have more fuel for that workout. All right, uh, this is a pretty small one, but are you a push or pull? I'm totally a pull person. Pull, <laughs> yeah. 
I'm like all pull. I not that I don't like pushing exercises, but I'm all about the pull. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I I mean I just love working back and stuff like that, so I'm all about the pull. Yeah. So that's a okay. This one. Well, now we're switching mindset a little bit. So. How to overcome negative self-talk when it comes to lifting goals. Yeah, so this is another one. When I read this question, I was like, wow, I don't have any, (laughs) actually. Um, And then I thought about it a little bit more, and I was like, well, maybe the reason, like, I don't have negative self-talk when I'm training or I'm lifting heavy is because the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And I try and live my life in a positive state. And if I have negative self-talk about my training goals, I probably have negative self-talk about my diet. I probably have negative self-talk about my body image. I have negative self-talk about my friends. And I just don't. Like, I've tried to push that out of me. So, like, I don't come to the gym to be negative and to be hard on myself. Like, I come here to win. And I, it's mindset. It really is mindset for me. Um, I think maybe, like, how to overcome negative self-talk. Because there will be those days where, you know, like, last week you pushed this much weight. And then this week it just seems like you just can't even come close. Um, you got to realize that there are so many factors that could influence that. Like, you could have... So many. You could have slept poorly. You could have been super stressed. You could have not eaten properly. Like, there's so many things that could attribute to why you're not lifting the same amount of weight. So I think you just got to cut yourself a break. Um, and that's not to say, like, you know, if you're being lazy, then, then what do you say? Get hurt, stay hurt? Yeah, something like that. But, like, when you don't hit those weights, like for me, so say I'm squatting and I'm like, ah, my squat sucks today or whatever. It just motivates me to make sure I got my diet in check next time, like make sure my mindset, like maybe I was overtraining, maybe I worked really hard the day before, but it's never because like, oh, this sucks, I can't do this. Yeah, and you know what? I actually got a really good story for this one um, because I was actually going to save this as a mindset topic, but a couple um, weeks ago, two of my clients, they were just, you know, sick and not feeling good and their workouts were meh. But they still showed up, yeah. right? And one of my clients asked me, they're like, you know, is it worth coming here when the workout was meh? And I thought about it for a minute because I always heard that saying where it's like, um, any workout's better than no workout. And while I do believe that, I do also believe that maybe you got to listen to your body. Like maybe you do just need a break. Like that does exist. However, in the context of any workout is better than no workout, yes. And what people need to realize is not every workout is going to be a progress meter mover, if that makes sense. Say that three times fast. So, <laughs> yeah, so what I'm saying is not every workout is gonna progress you, and that's okay. And my client was like, oh, you know what, that makes total sense, right? Um, and I said, but what it is doing is keeping you consistent, which is going to move that meter, right? So I think when you have that negative self-talk, you got to have a conversation with yourself and be like, okay, maybe this is not a progress meter mover. (laughs) 
Yeah, right? but you showed up. You still you showed up. You didn't break your routine. You're staying in momentum. I think losing yeah. momentum is like the worst thing. Yeah, for, and for me it is anyway. It was almost like a light bulb for my client. She's like, oh, that makes total sense. And then afterwards, she's like, you know, even though we did, we moved like half the amount of weight that we usually do. She was like, oh. But, like, she's like, I'm really glad I showed up because now I could have, you know, not done it. And this is where people start to fall off, Yeah, you know, of their routine. This is so easy. You miss it once. You miss it two times. You miss it three times. Oh, now we're two years down the road. Whoops. And not only that, but say, okay, you're not feeling 100%. You don't want to come, whatever. You don't come. And then you stay at home. You watch Netflix and you eat 500 calories worth of garbage. Whereas you should have just went and had a crappy ass workout. Exactly. Because it's way better than. Yeah, I've never regretted a workout. No. I hurt myself. Absolutely but. not, right? And like I said, that's when you gotta listen to your body. So, like, if you have like aches and pains and stuff like that, okay, well, maybe you do need a rest or maybe you're really tired or stressed. Maybe you do need to rest. But if you're just being a lack of a better word, lazy piece of shit, um, <laughs> then get your butt up and go to the gym. Yeah. And that is the work sometimes. Like just getting in the front door is harder than your whole workout oh, sometimes. Hundred percent. Like, okay, I did it. I'm here. And now like the easy part. Exactly. Um, okay, so moving on to the next one. How do macros benefit cognitive abilities? That's a big one. Um, and I don't think either of us are nutritionists, so I don't think we'll go too far into this one, but I think quality of food, I'm not going to say macros because I don't think inherently macros really, I guess, affect, and well, actually they probably do. I'm just not a nutritionist or scientist or anything like that, so I don't want to give false information, but I would say food quality in itself does affect cognitive abilities. and. In a sense, I'm saying, you know, if you eat a lot of processed, heavy, like high sugar, um, high fat foods, that will affect how alert you are and like how your memory is and stuff like that. And same as if you're super low on fats or omega-3s, that is totally going to impact your memory and cognition. So, you know, you're going to have a lot of brain fog. I would recommend you get a little bit of each macro at each meal and you should be good unless you're running a big calorie deficit for whatever reason. Um, Food quality, I think, really. Mm -hmm. And we've both talked about macros before. Um, you got your own personal macros. Anytime you're under eating, it is going to cause cognitive impairments. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll leave that one there because I don't want to get like too into that one. Cause Adam and you know how you offset those guys? Oh, monsters. <laughs> oh yeah, caffeine's another one. Like, <laughs> let's not even go there. We, yeah. have a, we both have an unhealthy monster addiction right now. So. Yeah. All right. Um, what is our favorite muscle group to train? I think I already said it, but it's back for me. But I like training, but but recently. Um, I've been into training chest, and the reason is because I get such a good chest bump, and I can see it in the mirror, and then I flex, that looks good, I like flexing these days. Yeah, mine's back, it'll always be back, I don't think it'll ever change, baby got back. <laughs> um, what is our biggest obstacle, holy English, uh, with training? Training clients or training ourselves? I think training ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, personally, 
I'd say my biggest obstacle is I just get bored. I'm, I would be the worst client, right? Like, even though I tell people like, you know, you gotta follow this, this is where we're going. I'm one of those people that sometimes gets like really bored and I just try and switch it up. I am now better at that because I understand stuff more. Um, but, you know, for me personally, I kind of like to train like an athlete, like really high pace, like a little more jerky type movements. Um, but now I want to, you know, build a little bit, kind of more hypertrophy, and I know, like, oh, man, I can't do some of that stuff. <laughs> so I guess for me, it's kind of, yeah, like a mindset on how do I want to train and what is my goal. Yeah, well, that's a good question. Biggest obstacle with training. So depending on where you are in your life, I'm going to talk about right now. So mm -hmm. my biggest obstacle with training for me right now is um, I have a pretty big goal and I'm 100% committed and I am all gas, no brakes right now. Like 110% gas. Mm -hmm. Like my trainer gives me my workouts and I'll triple them to the point where I crash. Like I just, I can't, it's never enough for me. It's never enough. Like it's I'll go to bed and I'll be like, I didn't do enough. And it's just... <laughs> I don't know how to get over it. So that is my biggest training obstacle right now is like I need to figure out how to chill. Yeah. <laughs> Going into rest. Yeah. I think a lot of people struggle with that though too, right? Like, you know, I tell someone who was a, you know, super into hypertrophy, like, oh, I gotta be in the gym six days a week, two hours a day. And I'm like, well, actually, how about we take a rest day? Because, you know, <laughs> that nagging injury is an issue. But yeah, I totally understand that one. Yeah. Um,. Is there a specific way of training with an autoimmune disease? Okay, so that is a really big question. Again, not a doctor, but yes. And I'm gonna throw this lame answer out there. It depends. <laughs> because there are quite a few different autoimmune diseases and it depends on which one you have and what it affects. Effects, effects, I don't know how to English today. Um, so like if you had, you know, lupus, that's gonna affect you differently than if you have just some kind of like inflammatory bowel disease, right? Like, you know, you have a bowel disease, that's not really gonna change your training style. Whereas if you have multiple sclerosis, which is an autoimmune disease that attacks your central nervous system, absolutely there's gonna be a different way of training. Um, so that's a very broad question. I would definitely have to know more about that to be able to give an exact answer. Like, I actually have a client right now that does have lupus. Um, and if you don't know what lupus is, I'm not gonna get into the specifics of it, but basically people have flare-ups, which a lot of the time like puts them down and out for a while. Um, so yeah, the training scheme does differ, definitely. Um, yeah. But big question, I would say more so consult your doctor and hopefully your trainer is skilled enough if you do have a trainer or you need more information about that is skilled enough to be able to tell you what you can and can't do right yeah when i looked at that question too i was like can you be more specific broad. very broad <laughs> but uh if you have a specific question on that just dm me or tom um and then hopefully we can give you a little bit of insight um but we would definitely need to know a little bit more about what which autoimmune disease you have
Yeah, and sometimes, like, if you are having a flare-up and you are not able to train, you're not able to go to the gym, that doesn't mean that you are not able to track your food, and it doesn't mean that you're not able to drink your water, and it doesn't mean that you can't do, like, your mobility exercises and your flexibility. Um, it's not all or nothing all the time, right? Mm -hmm. It might just be, like, maybe you need more rest days than somebody who is in, a, like, a full health, right? It just, there would be, I guess, a different way of programming for sure. Um, this is a fun one. So, somebody asked me if they can expect to see me competing in the Fitnessing Strongman anytime soon. Um, I was like, oh, you should. Because she's really strong. I think that you would do really well. You know, I've thought about it and I still, it crosses my mind here and there. I just don't know. I can't give a um, specific answer on that. I have to be in the right state to commit to that. So with anything. He wants to see Dad do it. I do. <laughs> I, I, that'd be so awesome. Like, so what, even if you don't win, right? It's quite the experience to be oh. able to run through it all. Yeah, but I'm a competitive a-hole, so uh, I <laughs> All gas, no breaks? Yeah, pretty much yeah. all gas, no breaks. Um, <laughs> You know what, maybe one day you will see me, but like I said, I have to be in the right state, so I have to have the time to commit to training. You know, I have to make sure my clients that I do have are all taken care of. Um, so maybe when I have an assistant coach for my uh, coaching, that would be something I'd look at, but like currently right now, not on my radar. But you never know, one day could happen, so we'll just keep that one in the vault for now. I like it. Ah, uh, this one. I actually like this one. The most essential exercises that we recommend. I've got quite a few on my mind right now. Yeah, when I saw that question, I thought about the end. So look at your life. You're 90 to 100 years old. And how does your body move? Are you able to get up and out of bed on your own? Are you able to use the washroom? Like what movements are essential to your independence? Um, I'm gonna say squats for one, push-ups. Like what if you fall and you need to get up off of the ground? Um, so those are my two, I would say squats and push-ups. So there's like something to be said about crucial exercises that everybody should be doing. And it's some kind of push exercise, so again, this is like an overhead press, like some kind of press, some kind of pull, so that could be a row, that could be a pull-up, um, a squat, and hinge. So hinge movement would either be a deadlift or, you know, an RDL, something like that. So those, basically your compounds, sometimes they have to be in that form. You should have some variation. Everybody should be doing some variation of a pull-up, um, some variation of a row basically, some kind of pull, um, some kind of press, and a squat hinge. Like those, they're just staples and there's no like if, ands, or buts, you should just be doing them honestly. And how many people do you know that have probably never ever done any of those in your entire in their life? Oh, the amount of people that have never done, uh, any type of hinge movement, it actually blows my mind. Yeah. Like, I program RDLs like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, same with squats. And squats is, again, one of those ones that people are just like, and eh, I can't do it. I'm like, mm, yeah, you can. We just got to find right variation and work our way up. So, you do a squat every time you get in and out of your chair. Like, multiple times a day, in and out of the car. Yep. So, 
So uh, there's a there's no, there's our recommendations. Find a form if you want more information. Contact us directly. We can probably give you a variation you can do. Uh, we got two more left. If nobody has questions on here, what are your most important qualities that you want to put across as a personal trainer? Ooh, that's a big one. Um, so my top three that I want people to know that know about me would be that I'm trustworthy. Like you, you know, you be honest with me. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, and know that I care because I do. That's why I'm in this field. Like I am not in this field to make god awful amounts of money. I'm in this field because I care about helping people. Um, and then also that I'm open-minded. So I know this one comes up a lot because there are a lot of people in this space that are very close-minded. And I hate that mentality because I don't care who you are. You don't know everything. Like there's so many different perspectives and opinions out there. You have to be open-minded because if you're close-minded, you're not going to get very far. Um, and then basically an important quality that I always want to have as a coach is being able to educate. And that's something that I've been told I am really good at is making complex topics understandable for people. So people, they might have worked with trainers in the past, but I'm able to say, hey, this is why we're doing this and this is how it's going to help you in the long run. And then it's like a light bulb goes off. People are like, well, okay. And then it keeps them more committed, right? Versus a trainer saying, well, we're just doing this exercise this many times because. <laughs> That's not very helpful. So education to my clients is a big thing because I want them to be able to know what to do after we stop working together. Like, I don't want them to have to pay me for the rest of their lives. They, if they don't know what to do after they're done working with me, I've failed personally as a coach. Yeah, I like that. Um, another thing too is the relationships that you have with your clients are special. Like there are some people that just don't connect on that level. And you know, when I'm looking to my clients, like I need to have some sort of a spark or chemistry with them. Um, building relationships is big. Uh, another thing too, uh, just for me, because I have recently hired a trainer I'm going to talk more about what I look for and and what motivates me in a trainer is like I have to have somebody that I look up to to train me because mm -hmm. if it's somebody totally who I like you know I want them to be proud of me I want my trainer to be like oh you did it that's great uh, I'm so proud of you and like I worked hard to like impress this person but a couple of weeks ago I wasn't being aw awesome client I wasn't I was like <laughs> kind of not doing good with my workouts kind of not doing well with my meal plan uh, for one week I'm just gonna like put that in there one week uh, but then I did my check-in and my check-in wasn't that great and my trainer was like uh I have a hundred questions for you <laughs> and I was like whoops I knew that I was the one that was screwing up and it wasn't my trainer that was screwing up and my trainer called me on it and I respect that and that is something that I would like to also be able to provide to my clients is the accountability and the ability to see through bullshit. <laughs> so if you're saying that you got all of your workouts done and you've been solid on your meal plan and the numbers aren't adding up, I will 
now call you on it, and I like it. That is important. Being a badass. That's fair. Okay, we got one last question. If nobody has questions on here, which I don't see, um, and it's how do you motivate a client who is discouraged about the results or slow progress? Oh my gosh, I love this question because I got a great story for And that. what I just said previously about yeah. what my trainer did, right? Just called me on it. Yeah, yeah. you gotta <laughs> call people on a BS. Because I think we were talking about this before, like sometimes there are bad clients. Like it's not, you know, it's not always on the trainer. Like sometimes there are just clients kind of suck right they like question you on everything they don't do what you tell them to do and like they just don't you know so, like I've fired clients before I don't know if you've ever fired, or cl- fired a client but you know it's just it's not always perfect but anyway back to that um, question um, I love this one because like I have like such a good story that just like says this um, how I motivate pl- clients in this sense is I focus on I find a win there's because there's gonna be a win in there somewhere um, it might be small and they might not notice it because they're so hyper focused on end goal that they don't see the little things that have um, progressed up to them um, so I always try and find a win somewhere almost to like distract them from you know not seeing their total end goal yet um, and I want to talk about this story. So one of my clients, super big like mobility issues, like can't walk, hasn't been able to walk for, I think it's about a year and a half now, maybe two years. Um, has worked with other trainers in the past, and you know he just didn't see any progress, and it was almost like he was going backwards, right? You know he's trying all this stuff, not working. We started working together, and well, the first thing I noticed was you know his mindset was actually. The biggest issue well not the biggest issue like obvious mobility issues but he had a very terrible mindset and he was only ever focused on that end goal of walking right um obviously that's a huge goal especially in his case um so then when he started to get down on himself about it and not being there yet i said okay well hold up a second um do you remember when we first started and we tried standing up out of your chair. He could barely stand up without holding on to everything. Like he needed assistance to stand up and he could only stand up for maybe like, I don't know, like five, 10 seconds. So I said to him, I'm like, um, well, I don't know if you noticed, but you're standing up without holding on to anything and way quicker. Like, you know, he used to, you know, everything would shake. He'd struggle to even like stand up and it would take him like this long just to stand. Well, then all of a sudden he was standing, not holding on to anything quickly, like standing up quickly. And um, he was able to stand for like, like we didn't time it, but like instead of a couple seconds, it was minutes. And he wasn't even, like, but it wasn't registering, right? Because he was so focused on, oh, well, I still can't walk. So then nothing's happening. And I said, okay, but, like, look at this. And then all of a sudden it was, again, like a light bulb went off in his mind. And ever since then, he has been able to focus on small wins. Like, the biggest, like, crowning moment of, like, training was when he came to me one day and said he had a fall. So he had fallen. 
there was nobody around to help him at the time, and he said he got up on his own. And he was so pumped about it. Like, obviously, it doesn't seem like a big deal. To, to my eyes. Know, it doesn't seem like a big deal to any of us. But he's like, I would have never done that, like, six months ago or whenever we started training. He's like, but I got up by myself. And it was like... And he was so excited about it. Like, the whole time, his energy in the session was not like, mm, I don't want to be here. Nothing's working. Yeah. It was like, what are we doing today, coach? <laughs> I actually had something very similar happen. A client of mine was struggling with motivation and mindset, um, feeling discouraged. And I first asked about the morning routine. What do you do in the morning? Firstly, when you wake up, do you check your phone? Like, what what's going on here in the morning? Um, what are you listening to? What are you watching on TV? Like, what is your environment like? Let's make some shifts. So what I had for that client for the week is every morning in the morning when they wake up, it's a five minute motivational video. Uh, and it was life changing for this client. Just dialing in a morning routine and getting your mindset right first thing in the morning um, takes away that mindset. And so you, you do attack your day with a little bit more um, positivity so you're not like, you know, Starting off negative, negative. Feeling discouraged, I feel like is kind of like disappointment in yourself because typically you're not actually doing the work that you're supposed to be doing and you're like discouraged so because you're not being disciplined. And if you're not being disciplined, it's, it's a mindset thing. So let's correct the mindset. Yeah. And um, so this one, and I am not by any means bashing anybody out there either, like coaching wise. Um, but if you do have a coach or even if you just follow a program that you found online and you're not seeing results or you're not seeing progress, there might be something wrong with the program, right? Like, so if you're being super consistent, like if you're showing up all the time, you know, it's been months and you are seeing little to no progress, I am going to say there might be something wrong with the program because a program properly designed should always produce some kind of progress but then you also got to be honest with yourself about what is your goal right so if your goal is to lose fat that should be a fairly you should be able to see that quite quickly it's measurable right um you know but if you're going for strength that might be a little bit slower Right? Like you might only be increasing weight, you know, two percent each time or whatever it is, right? So you need to get really clear on your goals and if you do have a coach that should be something that's, you know, assessed all the way throughout. But really it's you gotta look for the small wins and that's always how I motivate clients. Like, you know, another story I have is one of my clients she's worked with trainers in the past and I guess the consistency was always an issue, right? And now she's like a gym star. Like every time I see her here on her own, I'm like, hell yeah. Like freaking killing it, right? Like, so that, maybe she hasn't seen progress in the gym, right? Like maybe not yet or not as much as she'd like to see, but like she's freaking showing up like pretty much every day. And I'm like, that's a win. And another thing I would like to touch on too is say you have a new client and they were on a path 
to continue to gain weight at a rate of five pounds a month for the next 12 months. And you start working with that client, and now instead of them gaining weight, five pounds over the next, whatever, couple months, um, they're losing it now. And they're only losing like three to four pounds in a month. And they're like, man, my progress sucks. Like I'm not getting anywhere. But what you're not realizing is you're also not getting anywhere as in you're not gaining 40 pounds in the next year because that's something that you never would have even known was a possibility for your progress because progress can work backwards also. Oh, exactly. So, I yeah, it's, it's kind of relative to what was also happening before you started training. Exactly. And sometimes, too, it, 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 again, it depends on your goal. Um, you know, some things can be faster than others, yeah. right? Like, if your body is fully functioning properly, which not a lot of us are, like right off the bat, you could see really great results from a fat loss, a properly designed fat loss phase, versus maybe a hard gainer who's trying to gain muscle and weight, well that might be, well not might be, it could be really goddamn slow. Yeah. Right? Like, so that's just something you've got to assess before you even go into it. Like. In reality, how long is this going to take? I mean, we're always trying to play the long game. So I tell people, like I just did a post the other day, um, you know, talking about being ready for beach season because it always annoys me a little bit when you see like, get ready for summer 12 weeks before, you know, 1st of July. And in my post, I said, you know, if you want to look good for beach season, start a year, 12 months before beach season now and see where you are not 12 weeks because yeah you can get results in 12 weeks i'm not saying you can't but a lot of the time it's going to be in some kind of crash diet way and really intense training like you know andy frisilla is like 75 card again not knocking that um i think that's more of like a mentality thing to show people what you're truly capable of but it's the way those programs are designed are to get you quick results. They're not designed to help you sustain that. So if you want to look good for beach season, start now, not 12 weeks before the 1st of July. Yeah, I agree. And you're not going to build anything in that time anyway. You're just going to be cutting. Exactly. All right, well, that was a long one. That was like the longest podcast in a while. I like that one. I like the Q&As. We should do this more often. We should do that more often. So, yeah, if you guys have Q&As, you know, let us know. You can send either of us a DM on uh, Instagram, dhpersonal, or no, that's not even mine, dhpt muscle and strength, or train with Tam, both on Instagram. If you have us on Facebook, you can send us a direct message there. Um, Otherwise... I guess we'll catch you later, and thanks for all the great questions. Everybody rocks. Uh, Yeah, keep crushing the week. Yeah. Peace. That's a wrap for today's episode of Rise, Train, Dream. If you loved this podcast, screenshot this episode and share it out to your social media accounts or follow us on Instagram at train underscore with underscore town or follow Des at DH 
bit.pt underscore muscle underscore strength to show your support. Take care, you guys. Until next time.